0: everyone will take a turn and express how they felt about a certain person throughout that time that they were working together. And sometimes they can be extremely deep and other times they can be, uh, there's conflict and they can be uncomfortable and things, but yeah, it always harkens back to getting better at communicating and, and how to express criticism in a way that you're not criticizing, but you're just kind of addressing the issue that, that there was a problem with or that you felt a certain way about.
1: Welcome everybody to this episode, a Millennium's Take on Education and Work. And I'm excited to have this conversation with this Millennium. It's my son, Xander. Xander is going to be 24 years old next month. And he is spending the summer at home. He's on break from a university in the Netherlands, Maastricht University where he's finishing off his undergraduate degree in science with an emphasis in biology. And I wanna have this conversation because I think that there's a false narrative out there around millennials. I hear some aspect of not being engaged, uh, lazy, entitled, and that just does not happen to be my experience of that generation. So I wanted to have a conversation with my son, and we got into aspects of his own experience with work and education, because I personally think it was pretty unique, especially some of the education that he has already taken, and the way that his curriculum is taught at his university, very much student-led, peer reviews, and so forth, so I wanted him to share some of that and it was just wonderful to just get him in the studio and have that conversation and also him being a dual citizen european danish and also american and he's been living in europe for the last uh, four years and before we get on to that conversation i would like to thank a few people who have recently donated to my podcast I'd like to thank my man, Jonathan, from Asheville, North Carolina, and Joseph from New York City. Thank you so very much. And if you would like to uh, donate and support the podcast, getting it out to you every week in very high quality audio sound, wonderful professional show notes, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on support the podcast page. You can leave a one-time or a reoccurring donation. Thank you. And please leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcast. We would love to get your reviews. Five star, hopefully. Okay, everybody. Hope you enjoy this conversation with my son, Xander, a Millennial's take on education and work experience. Let's talk about it. Hey. All right, so I'm excited because I got you to throw me another bone, man, while you're home, so I appreciate you want to do this podcast with me. Thanks, son. My pleasure. Yeah. So I thought that we would just kind of talk about you bringing the in the generation, the millennium generation. You're going to be 24 years old next month, and um, I'm so hopeful for your generation as opposed to... Some people that think your generation is uh, challenged or even judges your generation, I don't get it when they say that millennials are lazy and so forth because I don't see you and your friends lazy whatsoever. I mean, what what comes up for you when 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 you hear that?
0: Yeah, I don't know very many lazy people either, <laughs> but I might not be exposed to them so much. But um, yeah, I think that's you know a criticism you hear, but I would argue how true that really is i think young people in the millennial range are challenged in many ways to work very hard and harder than maybe people in previous generations did
1: why why is that what 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 comes up around that
0: well in the u.s maybe an increasing cost of education and the debt that comes with that (sighs) yeah man. rising home prices taxes as opposed to now, I mean, everything inflates. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of financial challenges.
1: I, d- I just remember um, my bank account used to get uh, 4 or 5% interest and I think it's now like 0.2% interest of that. you know, So even that challenge for your generation to be able to be on their own and really make it financially so you guys are working even, even harder. And, mm-hmm. and I think one way that, that you do that well is i i love the way that you guys are communicating with each other you know i you grew up in the in the technology realm but yet there's a lot of conscious ways of communicating as opposed to what we've been talking about at times with people that are just really surface and using social media for a lot of bullshit. but h- how do you see using digital communication to the benefit in your generation
0: uh, I see a, a mix of benefit from it and also being kind of succumbed by the point that it is at in our culture, how much of an influence it is on us and how much it just takes our attention. And that can take away from quality or more meaningful communication in some ways, but also at the same time, especially maybe in a time when people are quarantined from each other, can get a lot of connection out of it as well and for me i feel especially that it's a blessing when i get to communicate with people that i haven't seen in a long time or my family but again i think there's kind of a a large challenge to using it in ways that are you know forms of meaningful communication and and it can very easily get diluted and Conflict can arise much quicker, it seems, as well. It's almost the effect of driving, you know, road rage, driving behind the the windshield. You get a distorted perception. Your emotions get heightened because maybe you're in a very high-stakes environment. So those evolutionary kind of switches turn on to to make you in this sort of fight-or-flight mode that makes you more emotionally aggressive and reactive in those ways. And I think through the technological screen could say the same you can't really hear the tone or the connotation people are speaking with most of the time and if you're trying to distill very kind of complex conversations or you know very strong statements about things and opinions have a nuanced conversation or debate on twitter or something like that i I think you're losing a lot yeah
1: and I think that you, you have a great discipline, man, with, with it too. I see, you know, your morning, your phone is outside of the, your room. You don't keep your phone there. You're really cognizant of, uh, uh, how late you're, you're exposed to blue light, you know, just ordered some blue light glasses for you. And, you know, I think you're an exception in that area of the discipline of, of using digital communication and technology.
0: Yeah. I had a roommate and you know, I saw him kind of from the moment he was awake. So, I mean, he would sleep later than I would. So (laughs) from all the moments I knew him, he was on the phone talking to someone or gaming and communicating or whatever. And, And I think that kind of takes away from benefits of being silent with yourself and going through your own thoughts and processing, processing things. And then being in that state and communicating from that rather than a constant heightened state of activity and and hyper communication especially through technology you know in that instance Mm -hmm.
1: and what about like in relationships how do you see you know your friends using that with you know their significant other i mean it's it's a rampant problem you know among all ages you know i see it in my work with couples i tell them look when you text each other just like just text. Bring home the bread. You know, mm-hmm. don't text a lot of emotional stuff, and just go on. Oh, it's so misinterpreted. Do you run across that with conversations that that you have with your friends about how communication is done? You know, digitally. I know that you you and Emma have a, a real real sweet way that you communicate with with yourselves. Do you ever run into that issue?
0: Um, I don't know so much about my friends. They don't vocalize that so often but I think they they generally will be kind of separated at work and then they'll come home together. And, and so it's probably, like you said, just the little things that they're communicating about together. I, maybe not, maybe at work they're, you know, writing these paragraph essays of <laughs> Of their feelings, but I don't I don't hear that expressed for them. I'm sure for some it is, and I can I can remember when I was younger and in other relationships and stuff like that that texting and communicating through text is is yeah, it's a different thing, and and you kind of ride the wave of of the emotions of it and misconstrue a lot of the time and feel like you're so well formulated, and then it just blows up <laughs> in your face or something, but. Yeah. No, and I think, interestingly, too, for for my relationship with my girlfriend now, Emma, I really don't like texting and I'm kind of, yeah, reluctant to use it because I I feel like in myself, not that it's from her or anything like that, but that I have a hard time feeling a connection through the text and therefore I just don't really want to put in a lot of energy to Mm. turn it into something, but I always try and you know, not be disrespectful or anything and really write out a lot of things if they need to be, you know, expressed gratitude, whatever feelings about something or this and that, but it's often small talk Mm -hmm. and we prefer to use uh, the voice vocal note, just send off a note real quick if we can't just speak on the phone together very quickly. But that's just me. I've just grown to not really feel much through that form of communication i see that too with my friends when i'm communicating with them through a facebook group or something like that like it very easily blows out of context or whatever and we're never like that in real life so i can extrapolate that to twitter facebook at large Mm -hmm. and conversations of americans who don't know each other or people in the world who don't know each other communicating together and and all the conflict there or the Mm -hmm. the lack of real depth in the communication there is yeah and i
1: think with with you you had a different experience than most young adults when you went to denmark to ipc international people's college and that was a school that had people from 50 different countries maybe about 100 students and i think you know you didn't hide behind digital communication then and that and dealing with communication from people from all over the world at a young age, I think gave you a real advantage to get out from the screen and just really have some, some intimate and real communication. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you had that experience. When you look back upon that, that time in your life, what what was unique about, about that relating?
0: It felt more of a, more like a community than I've ever felt, you know, apart from any community that you might grow in, in high school or in the workforce beyond that or or whatever other social circle but I felt like this was the first time I really had a, a community of people that never knew each other and growing that connection as a community was really special there was a lot of opportunities in the morning we would all get together and kind of I don't know go over what happened in the news or something different classes at the school were like focusing on current affairs and they would like present to us news and things like that or we would uh, often sing songs as a as a group of like a hundred people there just to wake everybody up in the morning and kind of get the connection going. And that's just the history of the school is it's very song driven, especially in the mornings. It's uh, like a hundred old, a uh, hundred year old school. Those are some of the traditions there. But
1: the story of how it was founded or why
0: it was founded again. Yeah, the school was founded as a way to bring young people from previously warring places because this was post World War One how to create a sort of pseudo-educational environment where young people could get to know each other of these different and previously conflicting nations and countries and bring them together to try and foster peace and understanding. And
1: If you get to know each other, you don't want to kill each other.
0: Yeah. Get to know other humans and and try and dissolve the the borders and all the disputes that come from that, and these age-old issues that we had. So this is the same school 100 years later and really... Flourishing and, and so, yeah, every year would be a fresh community of 100 people and they go through this six month or so process of going to different forms of classes together on all kinds of subjects and topics ranging from art to intercultural communication and international politics and filmmaking and podcasting and you name it. And all living together on a border school, uh, boarding school and, and the teachers living separately and, and just being there for the classes. And so it was really the community getting to know each other and really forging all these connections. And, and it was very cool to see not a lot of clicking up of, of small people in subgroups. You know, maybe mm. certain people from a certain region of the world coming together and... and feeling more comfortable around themselves and grouping off. But there really wasn't so much of that. There was a lot of really wonderful sharing of cultures and getting to know people from everywhere and really having a connection with almost everyone. And then wrapping off after having a bunch of deep experiences and having all these classes and learning so much and being together with these people for so long, then you really forge such a deep connection in the end. And it's always very beautiful to wrap that up in the end. There's, tears and hugs of a 100 people hugging each other and loving on each other yeah so that was a a very utopic cool school to go to as well
1: and very social minded i mean the, the name international people's college you know was also really focused of course when you talk about with peace and one of your one of your programs was to go to columbia with a group of fellow students and Make a documentary of the peace treaties between the the FARC um, rebels and and the the government. And to me, like just that that intention and and to be able to communicate with people in in that realm with that kind of history and intensity of coming together in peace. What did you take out of that experience?
0: Um, it was a beautiful experience in many ways, and there was a lot to take out of it first and foremost, just that there was no bad side to this peace agreement or anything like that, no no visibly bad actors or anything. You you really kind of grew to understand everyone's perspective, whether it was a politician or a rebel member or uh, a victim of, of some kind of violence uh, associated with the conflict. And, yeah, it was just beautiful to see kind of a country mending these wounds of a, such a long conflict and, and was much, yeah, it was just more mending of peace than I expected there would be. And, and it was some not, but yeah, it was just interesting to see and, and us as a group coming from many different backgrounds and, and having their own perspectives on things. I think everyone sort of grew through that and, 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 uh, making the documentary and then, and then seeing the documentary obviously as well is also a process of, um, processing the lessons from that experience as well.
1: Mm-hmm. What I really loved about, uh, your education at IPC, one, that there was no exams, which was really cool. And I bet you really liked that too. <laughs> and, uh, you just did some cool, meaningful projects. And I remember one of them that you told me about was working with, a. Uh, was it a fellow student from, from Ghana and a project to bring back to his hometown?
0: Yeah, it was a course on sustainable development. So all kinds of projects to implement in, uh, in a local place. And so it really needed the perspective of a local because a lot of the course was really focusing on that. You can't really come in, for instance, as a Western culture trying to help maybe a developing nation and just think that you can implement what's been implemented here and have success. You really need to be on the ground and, and experience the the situation there and and really work with them to see how to actually apply solutions that will work there as well, rather than just trying to copy and paste a solution that has worked somewhere else.
1: What was the specific project to implement in, in that hometown?
0: If I remember right, it was relating to sanitary services, and I think it was restrooms in general, specifically in the hometown of, of this fellow student, that almost everyone in the town didn't have their own individual plumbing, indoor bathrooms, and that most people, this was a still a city, that most people had to walk multiple kilometers, multiple miles to use the restroom, and this was super inconvenient on all levels, you know, for, for education, for people who were working, and And for all kinds of reasons, so it was about how to create affordable um, ways to implement a bathroom for people inside their home, and how to get that system in there without existing plumbing and stuff like Uh, that.
1: And how how was that followed up? Did you (laughs) know that it was implemented once he brought it back to his hometown in Ghana? Did you know that it was implemented and and that it worked?
0: He's followed up with me a few times. Um, I'm not sure about it now, but I know he's been working on it with others in the community. And yeah, he didn't have the help of of us that was working on it necessarily, so there might still be some hurdles for him, but But yeah.
1: But you all, that group came up with the ideas for him to go back and implement it.
0: Yeah, we were all working on it together. You know, you you kind of approach from a problem-solving area, and then you see one problem, and then branch off solutions to that, and then branch off the problems from that, and then branch off solutions, so you have this massive kind of tree of problems and solutions, and And how to attack your your problem wow that's so cool
1: that program at at ipc you went for a half year and then you could choose to continue another three months or another half year program and i remember that you came back for christmas christmas break and for some reason you were spending time on duolingo learning learning french And we're like, man, why do you want to learn French? And you're like, "Ah, I don't know, I just built for learning French. And it kind of came in handy. What happened when you came back?
0: Yeah, for almost no reason at all, I wanted to learn French. And then I came back to IPC, attended another term, and then uh, a fresh group of 100 new people come. And so I was getting to know all these new people. And I had a friend who told me that one of her friends was coming as well. Her name was Emma, to look out for her and befriend her. and we just were talking spontaneously at a party. Yeah, really hit it off, and then I realized this was the Emma that my friend knew, and yeah, we just fell in love.
1: Emma from Belgium, so her first language was French, and yeah. so that
0: that was pretty cool. That that still out. couldn't speak any French though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what I think is so cool too is like you know you're you're making your own path in your life, but. Here I met a foreign woman from Denmark that uh, spoke Danish and created a life, and now you're uh, meeting a a woman from another country that speaks uh, French and English and created another life. Anything that comes up for you about a multicultural relationship? Any challenges around that or the advantage of that? Anything coming up? You're almost four years into it.
0: Um, I think there's both. Probably some challenges are just navigating how to spend time with each other's family or where to end up spending time together and travel restrictions. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she can't come here now because she's a European citizen that's not allowed to travel. So there are travel restrictions or even limitations on a number mm-hmm. of months, right? Three three months as a tourist.
0: Yeah. So there's challenges to that, to, to test the resolve of how willing you are to, to go through the hoops to spend time together and if you can afford to travel back and forth or since i'm european i can stay indefinitely in europe so that's definitely a benefit i'm sure for someone who isn't and they both have wow. travel restrictions both way that must be really difficult as well mm-hmm. but obviously there's many advantages too mm-hmm. different benefits from different cultures not only like financially or opportunity wise but many others as well just to you know blend Cultures, or yeah, get an understanding of of each other's culture and really widen your your cultural depth mm-hmm. as a person.
1: Yeah, and you guys get to bring in, you know, when she comes here and and your group of friends that you grew up with and the American culture, and then when you're over there, friends that you both created together, but also her friends from Belgium. You get to also have this kind of cross reference of different people your age to connect with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's challenging too. In what way? Well, there's obviously a little bit of a language barrier both ways. Um, Living in the South, (laughs) I think for a European, it's (laughs) almost impossible to understand some things sometimes. And then, of course, people who aren't fluent in English, you have to learn how to communicate with people who aren't extremely fluent in English. And that's a challenge in its own right, but it's great as well. Yeah.
1: And I must say, man, you, you hit the jackpot with, with her. She is an incredible human being and so kind and generous and inspirational in the way that she thinks and what she's doing in the world from a... What is she studying? Alternative education.
0: Yeah. She's studying towards being able to work in alternative education, innovation and in education as, and also in business um, environments and workplaces. Yeah. So...
1: Thanks for bringing her into our life. You done good, son. <laughs> what do you, I mean, now you're, you're going to school at Maastricht University. You're in uh, the science program. I consider you a scientist because the conversations that we have just blew blow me away. Your curriculum interest is biomimicry, which is the study of Nature's patterns and habits to solve human issues. Did I get that right? That something, something like that. Is that yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Like from the education at IPC and this unique education at that I'd like you to talk a little bit about w- what do you see the evolution of even taking some of that kind of education, hopefully in either further education or or the workplace. Like what's so what's so unique about how you're communicating in your curriculum now and with your with your peers?
0: So first off, what's kind of unique about this university is that they have these courses that focus on these sessions where students will first, of course, attend a lecture on a certain course, but this lecture doesn't really cover a lot in depth, and that's not necessarily the, the depth of the subject that you need to know. You can't only attend lectures, so then we also attend these sessions as peers, 8 to 12 people sitting at a long table or a circular table or standing desk things like that with one kind of supervisor tutor figure and everyone kind of has a task written about the first two subjects uh sorry the first two chapters of a certain subject in a course and everyone will kind of have to decipher as a group what is meant to be learned from this sort of set of of ideas chapter here and kind of decipher what we what is being communicated as the main points worth learning and since we most of us know nothing about this yet then we're we're sharing a lot of brainstorming about what some people do know and a lot of people have different levels of backgrounds and skills on these sort of things and and once as a group we've communicated sort of what we believe the ultimate learning goals are what our ultimate learning objectives are we decide as a group how to formulate those. And then from there, we'll go home and we'll study all these and, and we'll read the textbook and, and go through the chapters obviously, and and really decipher through what the real juice of the subject is and, and learn from that. So you can learn as much of a surface level as you want or as deep as you want. So you can spend a lot of time, but obviously this is still very meticulous and, and rigorous and, and there's a high standard for, for the information, depending on what level you're at, what year you're in.
1: So it's very peer-led. It's very it's, student-led. It's,
0: yeah, completely student-led outside of the lecture. Um, of course, there's a tutor there to kind of keep things on course and has sort of pre-written learning objectives that if we are too far out or something, then they'll help us sort of come back to the subject that we're supposed to be learning about based on the curriculum. Um, but yeah, it's very much peer-based and it's uh, it feels very much like a, a board meeting or something like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's constant practice four times a week of uh, in different classes with many different kinds of people of communicating what others think is kind of the point here. And yeah. sometimes you can really <laughs> overstep on others or be disrespectful and things. So it's all about how to really yeah. juggle uh, group communication. And again,
1: it's an international school. It's in Maastricht, Netherlands, mm-hmm. but it's, the, it's an international program taught in English. So you have people from all over the world in that. So you're bringing in Cultural diversity, big time, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. And what's also unique when you tell me about it is the peer reviews. And that's really unique of how to be trained and, and to evolve and educate yourselves on what human beings have a really challenging time is giving each other feedback. You know, the difference between criticism and critical feedback. How is that done in these groups?
0: Yeah, that happens often. Within the group itself, after uh, the course finishes, you're welcome to evaluate the course anonymously, just giving feedback on how you felt the the course coordinators and the the teachers and the lecturers and the tutors were, um, and then students' participation, things like that, the the course course quality, um, and giving feedback on what what you would like to see in the future, what you didn't like, and then they'll they'll change the courses based on that. So there's you're able to give feedback and communicate on how you felt those group sessions went and how the course went at large. But then also, every year or so, we'll do a sort of month-long mock kind of research experience. People will team up as a group of scientists and go out in the field or in the lab or both um, and work on a a certain scientific experiment or project for a month-long or so. And at the end of that, uh, we'll have a session where we review each other. It's called the peer review. We basically communicate about how we felt each other's performance were on, on different levels. One is communication. One is academic input. Others are you know participation in some of the assignments that we have as well, and then just overall things. And so covering those main topics, everyone will take a turn and express how they felt about a certain person throughout that time that they were working together. Sometimes they can be extremely deep, and other times they can be. Uh, there's conflict, and they can be uncomfortable and things. But yeah, it always harkens back to getting better at communicating and and how to express criticism in a way that you're not criticizing, but you're just kind of addressing the issue that that there was a problem with or that you felt a certain way about.
1: And are you able to take some of that training and experience and bring that into your interpersonal relationships with? You from anma or your friends?
0: Yeah, I think just doing it all the time, you're kind of hyper aware and that sort of just seeps naturally into the way that you end up communicating. And I think that it's to build up to obviously a professional environment and working with many people that you didn't obviously choose to work with and, and how to work through any conflict or how to give positive reinforcement and appreciation for times that you felt that had really good work together or or whatever that may be
1: so the years of uh living in this family with sharing appreciation did, did that help you <laughs> at all to to be good at giving uh, appreciation feedback and in your peer reviews
0: yeah no doubt <laughs> yeah i'm sure some people are very uncomfortable with that yeah but interestingly if they are appreciated in in a way that yeah, they might not be used to, they, they tend to really respond positively to it. And, and it seems to be the catalyst for them that they need. They're like, oh, okay, this is a space where maybe it's my opportunity now to, to practice this. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by a lot of people that I'm proud of them, that they, they really do express appreciation well, um, at times. Mm. We
1: were talking earlier today about um some of the evolution of the importance of rites of passage and and um what was the other Uh, rites of passage and rituals in our society especially for younger people that is not as prevalent as our history shows um from an evolutionary science standpoint that that you study why is that so important do you think and the aspect of how young people, millennials are living more on their own as opposed to in family settings. How do you think that that's going to affect people in the future?
0: I think there's obviously still many rituals that people practice, whether it's organized religion or graduating from a certain university and following a career path and whatever these milestones in life that people celebrate but uh as far as more coming of age rituals and things like that i think that that is definitely missing in a lot of cultures today and and probably does cause a lot of the sort of stagnation and maybe hearkening back to what you said about how some people describe millennials and and things that Maybe from a lack of feeling that they are recognized as entering another milestone or going through a ritual passage that might be very hard on them and, and require a lot of personal work and growth. And and maybe without that, this manifests to a lot of disrespect towards a generation from another generation that doesn't feel them worthy mm. of taking over the torch or passing the torch on whatever it may be you know the old guard of politics science anything really Mm. and that the lack of that is probably the cause of a lot of stagnation in in not only in the progress in many areas of of society and culture but also just a disconnect in the communication between generations or or an understanding between generations or within generation as well. Mm -hmm.
1: And you were telling me about how, you know, it used to be where the family aspects of how the older generations of the family would take care of a lot of things for the younger people to go out and do what they needed to do, you know. And now with, you know, people living away from their family, there's a lot more independence that they have to do that on their own. Um, and I'm just wondering if that is kind of like a little bit of the survival of the fittest that makes younger people more resilient, that they're doing so many things on their own. Maybe they're having to communicate with each other more proficiently because maybe it was laxed when the whole family was, was around and you know their parents were taking care of their kids and they didn't have to negotiate within their couple's relationship as much.
0: Mm. Yeah, perhaps the evolution of of moving away from a more generational family environment and surrounded by a large family or something like that obviously many people still are but sort of in in western cultures uh there's a tendency towards hyper independence it seems and and this is likely making it hard for so many people to feel connected in in many ways and they feel so separated and and loneliness and but also i think like you said there's probably this positive aspect to it of maybe when you're in this larger group it can be hard to really address the issues in the relationships that are causing some problems and things like that and really communicate them out maybe it's a little more uncomfortable to do that with people that you're surrounded with so often and in, in a more social dynamic of many people at once as opposed to if you really then need to work out and communicate about things in a, in a one-on-one sort of relationship, living with a partner somewhere or something like that, that I think maybe this frees up and allows for really putting a lot of issues in the spotlight and therefore really drawing the need to address them and, and really
1: communicate them out. Does that show up in your relationship with Emma? You guys live alone, away from family, far away from us. You know, does that heighten your training?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And, and you know, a lack of also maybe spending a lot of time by yourself hmm. for that as well can make it additionally challenging to kind of, you know, settle things on your own to then work through them and maybe you'll blow up unnecessarily hmm. or then have a stronger need to really need to work out some things. So I think there is more communication because of that for many reasons. What What was it like
1: for you? You know, because you guys are going to school together, so you're you with each other a lot. You used to have separate classes because you're in separate curriculums. What was it like during the the lockdown and the quarantine of being a student, where all the classes now go online? So not only you're a student doing classes online, but you're in a partnership that you're that you're now with each other all the time at a young age. What was that
0: like? Well, we'd been given, living together for a long time since then and spending three years time, you, right yeah three years yeah. spending almost all of our time together anyway so being in confinement and being around each other so much wasn't a new thing and wasn't really introducing any issues but I think around the pandemic of course like putting work putting school everything online obviously actually was uh, was more demanding and and required even more time. So it was about how to then find the time again and make the time for each other and to really focus more also on cultivating the time and, and the connection with each other, but also finding time for yourself in this time where I felt like at first maybe there was more time to do things But it really wasn't that way in the end. It kind of felt like it was, oh, here's more opportunity to read books or do more leisurely things. But in the end, it sort of seemed like, oh no, well, there's even more things to do. I know for school, there was plenty of more assignments because everything is online. So they thought it would be easy. So why not give people even more to do? And so on top of that, schedules just kind of became even more hectic. and, And so it was, yeah, kind of a challenge to work through that and and find the time to to connect, and so, yeah, a lot of work was on being uh, disciplined with yourself to stop working, because now Mm. there's no real end to it, and to make the time for others, and for yourself, and to connect, and things.
1: So, I also think that you did something unique, and I know that there is people your age that are doing this, but most of the time, people right out of high school, they either go into a trade perhaps or or they go straight into into university you decided to take some various gap years and i thought that was just great that you got this different experience one of the experiences was you took a high school senior year project and you went with it after you graduated you studied glassmaking what was it about glassmaking that after you you graduated high school that you wanted to pursue it more?
0: It's just so fun and you can be so creative, but not only that, but you can also make money from it. And I was just, yeah, really uh, wanting to not only get better at it, but also make a business out of it. So practicing here at home and working alongside that until I realized that there was a lot of demand for it and I started to sell my pieces. And then getting better and moving into more diverse areas of it, I came across um, cremation glass art where you add the cremated ashes of a loved one or a pet or something and turn that into a sort of ornament or a, a glass memorial. So I really found a niche in that business. A lot of people found that very meaningful and and gave me a lot of business through that. So that was a really deep and interesting process to work through. Became a lot better through that as well, and started a business, Mind Over Matter Glassworks, and worked with that for a few years, but started to realize that it's also very hard and demanding to work as an artist, and to kind of pump out artwork like an assembly line wasn't really the direction i was trying to go into and it seemed like that's where it was taking me at the time so i slowly started to move away from it um had other jobs before that and a few after as well but started to realize that i loved the art so much and it was so fulfilling and still something i'll always do probably but may just at that point i didn't really feel like continuing the the grind of the business Mm. and wanted travel and an education and yeah I wanted to try a new opportunity so I never gave it up but I, I moved on from it yeah
1: now I love that we well, still have your studio some studio that you you designed with a with a uh, weld worker that you made your own exhaust system for your studio and, and and designed it and you still have it up there that that you work I thought that was fantastic how you did that and also especially when you started working with the cremation ash, isn't that part of where the science of the alchemy and chemistry started your pursuit also deeper into some parts of just pursuing science? Is that part of it?
0: Yeah, I'd always been interested in science, but especially the hands-on aspects of it. And this was a very creative form of chemistry and engineering and applying that was fascinating to see through experimentation what works and what doesn't and what causes a chemical reaction you play a lot with gold and silver to create these beautiful colors on the glass by just it's called fuming it just kind of burning it off onto the glass and yeah that requires a lot of chemical accuracy and yeah there's obviously a lot of safety to be aware of and things like that so i think it was a a good introduction to more practical Scientific uh, exploration, yeah.
1: And I just think that you're just a natural at that. That artwork with the with the science mixed in together. I love the pieces that you make for me and my friends. And so I know that you don't have that uh, access in in Europe from a studio, and that you got to do it when you when you come back. But that seems like that's something that you'll you'll always have if you want it just as a hobby. So that's so cool. Yeah. Also, like you said, you had a couple other, other jobs and they were in the restaurant business as waiter and a cook. And, and so you took, um, a couple years of, of doing all of that, that mix, I think about three years before you went ahead and went to IPC and, uh, in Denmark and then off to Maastricht University in, in Netherlands. Well, oh, I think it's so cool about, about one of the jobs that you have as being a cook is that you're a great cook and so that's one aspect of what you learn to take that on into your life as uh, a young person being on their own you have no qualms about making incredible meals and so forth on your own that was a skill that you cultivated and learned mom's a great cook but you cultivated that in and also different restaurants and and now you're able to implement that in your life so i think that's great
0: yeah Uh, i think one of the best ways to learn to cook well is is as a young person, maybe to work in a, in a really good restaurant that you like the way that the food tastes and to learn those recipes firsthand and skills with a knife and all kinds of kitchen protocol and, you know, how to be cognizant of, uh, proper cleanliness, you know, don't cross contaminate, get yourself sick. These are valuable, valuable lessons to learn for, for yourself cooking as an individual. And I think it's important for young people to try as many jobs as they can when they're young really to dip their toe in and and learn a lot gain responsibility in many different aspects worked on a goat farm shoveling manure and sweating like a pig and yeah just one person there um having the responsibility to look over a lot of animals at a young age is is also a a very good growing process and um other jobs cooking like you mentioned uh, waiting uh, valet service yeah. as many as you can try I would recommend yeah. don't feel that you have to stay in one position for a year or more just because it shows a kind of resolve or integrity I think you should be open to moving on if you feel that this isn't for you anymore or too difficult or whatever it is
1: yeah I think that's great that, that you did that if you liked it you stay with it if you didn't you get to taste it and a lot of Young people don't do that. They're either, yeah. like you say, stay with something or the expectations of their parents to to do something. But if you try many different things, you know what direction you want to go.
0: Mm-hmm. And you gain a diverse resume.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, and more of your friends are doing that. A lot of your friends are trying out many different things until they find something that, that they really resonate with.
0: Yeah, most of them have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of entrepreneurs
1: in your friendship circle that they're taking some things out on, on their own and and you're collaborating with them and some ideas. Is, is that also something that you hope for in the future is to collaborate with with friends in a business?
0: I would love to. I think that that's probably one of the most interesting endeavors you can go into just to try and work with your friends and, and see how that affects your friendships and, and see if you can turn that into something that that works financially and that you can grow a sort of camaraderie through starting a business with. I think that's something that definitely interests me and is a, yeah, very kind of valuable lesson in itself.
1: Hang out with people that you really like, and yeah, make work out of your right. business and make some money. You had a little taste of that. Even just in the last project you did of that Mars Rover project that you guys made, um, at Maastricht and you were able to hang out with friends and do that.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of collaboration and long hours spent together, and you just get a, a very strong bond with the people that you really work through challenges together with and come out on the other side with something that you're proud of.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'm proud of you that, that you're dipping into all those different interests and finding your your skills and your interest and innovation, and i am just uh, got so much hope for you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, um, what do you see in the you know in the future for your generation around challenges to overcome or some of the um, work environments that you want to be part of and and create? I'm curious to to hear more about this. This hope that I have for for your future. What's in line, babe?
0: Yeah, I think there's plenty of challenges that need to be overcome, but probably a natural progression to that and then there's probably things that should be done to smooth that progression or accelerate it aspects of yeah really in-depth communication discussing and debating things that might be controversial or uh, complex topics Yeah. yeah slow down the news cycle slow down a bit of superficial judgment of celebrities or of people with influence canceling people because of their views on things. I think there needs to be a lot of more acceptance of what others feel and think, but also more nuanced debate and long-form conversation about complex topics that people have very strong opinions about. And then, of course, just kind of moving away from communication on, on social media and things like that that are seem to have way too much influence than they do in public opinion and popular culture.
1: Any idea how that's going to even itself out? I mean, you know, it just blew up when it came up and people just became so obsessed. And, you know, I think they had altruistic ways of, you know, connecting people, connecting families or friends that... Um, aren't living together haven't seen each other for a while but boy has it gone awry in -hmm. in so many ways
0: yeah and i i do see people and and follow those who are getting very good at it and there are people that are communicating peacefully and intelligently and respectfully and having long-form thoughts about things and and not being hyper uh resentful or Responsive to different things, out of proportion. Yeah, it's it's a challenge for sure. What was the other part of your?
1: Clip? I see for the future of like even your your work environment, that ideal work environment for you, and where it could progress. That you can see the evolution of of that being in a positive direction for people that are coming up in your age in the workplace.
0: Yeah, I think it would be important to really. Focus more on, on the community that is working together, the workforce as a community, and, and strengthen the communications throughout the hierarchy there and and try and focus more on the humanness of the employee and the employer in this relationship and focus away from kind of profits above all else and, and really work on what can be improved as a as a company in terms of interpersonal growth between everyone working there, what works, what doesn't work, what can be improved and, and constantly innovating and developing in those respects alongside the other forms, obviously. Um, I think that's been lacking. I think that's what,
1: what's really cool about your generation, I think, is is a real focus on, on improvements and innovation. You know, I don't know that if that's just because of you're clicked into technology and you have that access of, of constant maybe improvements or innovation right at, right at your fingertips at a young age. But I love having these conversations with you and, you know, you're always thinking in that way of how how to even improve, you know, small little things for for even whether it's comfort or efficiency, but in a, in a humanistic way. I think that that's, that's an interesting thing that's been different than what I grew up in
0: yeah and I think a part of human nature obviously is driven by uh and a need to adapt to your environment and and become more comfortable and avoid discomfort or danger and and this gets manifested in many different ways today, more sort of artificially or on a less tangible level striving towards constantly innovating or developing a company or a solution for something but i mean even that needs to be slowed down and and yeah. thought through very well before yeah. we do things that have consequences out of our control
1: and even in the conversation that we were having the other day around the expectation of going into a company with actually like n- no training experience you know as opposed to you know many years ago it was you know your family was a, a blacksmith and you got many many years of of blacksmith trade and and then you can evolve hopefully into something else after you did that we don't have that in the workplace a lot i mean the trainings that that take place i think are really a disservice you know yeah. in some ways
0: yeah like you were saying you know then the natural evolution from learning a trade from your family or so would go on to mentorship and apprenticeship of someone outside of the family to learn a certain trade and then obviously that kind of grew into the industrial revolution and this sort of diluting of the skills and just giving someone a task to repeat over and over again and sort of diminishing their inherent abilities to to learn something to a very high skill level and competence over time and and obviously some do and then closer towards more modern times where there's so much information at hand and kind of this need to really know so much about so many things and sort of this uh, cultural drive towards being competent in so many different things. I think it's kind of dilutes people's, uh, not only their abilities, but maybe their confidence and, and taking that directly into a workforce and being expected to be Competent in something that you have little to no experience in practically can be quite a challenge as well, and, and that's obviously something that should be addressed too. Yeah.
1: What I also love about you know your generation, when I say your generation, what I know is um, your diversity of your friends. You know you're still close with many of the friends that you grew up with. I'm learning about more of your friendships that you have now in 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 Europe and and around the world, but what I loved was some of the, the transparent authenticity, how truthful your peers are. And I think that that's, that's going to be a a tremendous gift to the world. And also for relationships is to, is to get past all the, the covered bullshit of really who, who we are as people in in relationships and be more transparent. So uh, I commend you and, and uh, your friends for, for taking more of that risks and, and, and being on that path. And
0: mm-hmm. thanks. Yeah, yeah, I agree to it. It's hopeful and it gives me hope as well. And I just, I know it takes work to, you know, can't just wait for it to happen. So I think it, it will take people to recognize these sort of, uh, limitations to where communication gets us today in, in so many aspects and, and that a lot of work needs to be put in to really grow and change these things. Yeah,
1: and I'm glad that you're you're doing it. And and Emma, um, I I think that you guys, you know, I I've told this to some of my friends. I I love hanging out with you and Emma more than any other couple <laughs> that I know in my life. And and there's a huge generation gap, but the way that that you are so transparent, authentic, and truthful, and the interesting way that both of you think it's very stimulating and inspiring to be to be around both of you and and unfortunately she's not able to to come here this summer because of the european ban that, uh, that has the travel uh, this summer but i'm so glad that you got a chance to to be here and we can wrap a little bit about uh what's going on in your generation and communication and some ideas and yeah, Matt. I just want to thank you again for throwing me this bone of spending time with me, doing doing a podcast, and and uh, just I love our conversation and going back and forth, and and getting inside a little bit of uh, of your generation's challenges and, and and triumphs, and and I love that you let me in on what's going on in your life. So thank you so much for
0: for that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Always great talking with you. It's always
1: great talking with you, man. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hanging out more of our boys' day. we got one coming up on Monday. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. All right. I love you, though I love you, bud. Relationships. Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC, of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor, Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice.